This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. I am very, very involved, Baruch Hashem, in dating mentoring, dating coaching, shatchanut, all types. Thank God I have about 360 lectures on dating on Torah Anytime. And it's growing every week. I encourage everyone, get up there, go see them. You'll enjoy them. Every Wednesday, we try to have a class on dating, and we hit one different subject every week. So you're welcome to come. It's at Madison Torah Center, which is on East 23rd Street in the corner of Avenue R. So, uh, you know, we'd love to see you, everyone. You got any water back there? I'm How I was starting out with a little bit of chizah because it's for him. A Rabbi Zaid, who was a famous rabbi in, B- in B'nai Brak, invited his cousin, who he hadn't seen for a long time, to a wedding. This cousin Usher came and gave him an envelope. In the envelope, at the end of the night, the rabbi opens the envelope and he sees 600 shekels from a cousin that he doesn't really know that well. Now, Usher invites the rabbi to his son's wedding. So the rabbi says, you know what? I have to at least meet him somewhere like that in the same kind. You have to give a nice gift. He says, I know, I'm going to give him 800 shekels. So Rabbi Zaid goes to the wedding, and he sees a box by the entrance with a, with a hole. That's where you deposit the gifts. He puts the gift in there. He looks around, and he doesn't recognize anyone. He knows his cousin is Temani. He's met Yemenah, but every year is light-skinned. What's going on here? He realizes he's in the wrong wedding. And he's already given the gift. So he asks someone to point out the father of the chassan. Maybe he can get his money back. So he walks up to the father of the chassan. He goes, Rabbi Zaid, you're a famous man. What are you doing at my son's wedding? I can't believe it. I'm so happy. Come, let's hop a dance with me. So they hop to dance with him, and he brings the chatan and the chassan into the, into the dance, and they're dancing. And he says, he starts to tell him, oh, by the way, I, have, I left a gift for you in the box, and he wants to tell him that he wants the money back. Rabbi, you even bought a gift? That's amazing. The fact that you came, and I even bought a gift. So they're dancing, and he realizes, there's no way I can even bring this discussion up. Just let him have it. It was meant to be that he should have the gift. The very next day, he gets a phone call from the father of the chassan. He goes, you know, Rabbi, you so impressed me. You came to my son's wedding, you barely know us, and you gave us a gift. You got me thinking. Five years ago, I helped a certain fellow. His name is Naftali. He had a lot of financial problems. And I helped him. His son got engaged, and he was getting ready to be married. And I knew there was a wedding, and he didn't invite me. And I was very upset. When I would see him on the street, I would cross the street so that I wouldn't have to run into him. Yesterday I decided, I learned that I, I took a lesson from you, Rabbi. I'm going to call him up 
and I'm going to make amends and say I'm sorry. So I called him up and said, Naftali, you know, I'm angry with you. He says, you're angry with me? He says, I'm angry with you. I invited you to my son's wedding. You don't even come. Turned out that he had sent it to the wrong address. So the father of the chassan says to the rabbi, you know, rabbi, my son who got married last night was 23. I have a son who's 35 years old. He's really struggling in Shaduchim. Maybe you can give me a bracha that he should be matzliach in Shaduchim. So he gave him a bracha. Two days later, the rabbi runs into Naftali, the fellow that they had to fight with. And he tells him, Rabbi, I understand you spoke to Yosef and we became friendly again. You know, Rabbi, I have to tell you something. I have a daughter who can't seem to find her, Bashar. Can you give me a bracha? He goes, I have a better idea. I know this great boy. Maybe perhaps we can do a shidduch. How about Yosef's son? And he made the shidduch and he proposed the shidduch and they got married. And the Rabbi got his money back in shidduch, he helped all and all everything. The point is, we're in the time of Purim. We're in a time of Hester upon him. Hashem can do anything. He's able to turn our lives around if we're just open to the concept. Tonight's talk is about the Yenta trap. The Yenta trap is when we don't date with Seichel, we allow the Western culture to determine for us what's right and what's wrong. Let me give you an example. I flew to LA to give lectures on dating. I was picked up at LAX by my host, who looked a little despondent. I said, Moshe, what's the problem? He goes, you know, Dr. Jack, I've been working on his shidduch for two and a half months, and the guy went out with her 14 times. And they're supposed to close it and go to engagement. You won't believe what happened today. So what happened? This boy was with his cousin. His cousin asked him, can I take a look at her picture? He shows him the picture of the girl. You're going out with her? She's not pretty. I don't get it. Why are you going out with her? Calls the rabbi, shidduch off. This is the Yenta trap in its ugliest form. When an individual doesn't have a plan and doesn't know what's right for them, so they allow society to dictate for them what's right and what's wrong. When a person has a plan, when a person sits down and creates what we call a top 10 needs list and sticks to that list, then the individual knows that he's working the program and he doesn't get rattled by people's comments. I sit with people all day long, whether it's live, face-to-face, or talking to people on WhatsApp video throughout the world. And I notice how people are infected by this concept of she's not my look, he's not my look, it's not what I'm looking for, without even knowing anything about the individual. And as a result, so many wonderful shaduchim are destroyed. So many potential matches go up in smoke because of people's unrealistic expectations because they don't date with their heads, but they date with other things. They date with their dimyon, which is fantasy land. And as a result, they get lost and unfortunately they can destroy their wonderful opportunities. Maybe a story that I can just shed light on. Olivia was a woman who came back from Neve Yerushalayim. All pumped up, now religious, freshly minted Bala Shuva. And she came back and had an idea of what she wanted in the guy. Someone 
very similar to her seminary teachers or the Rebetzins that she used to go to for Shabbos lunches, etc., and meals. And she had an idea, you know, black hat, short-trimmed beard, maybe no beard. And all the guys she went out with missed the mark. She had no shortage of dates, but she wasn't happy with any of them. None of them were connecting to her. So, by chance, she had lunch, Shabbos lunch by the Kleins. Really, not by chance, it was set up. And at the table was a guy named Barry. Barry was a nice, good guy. Wore a kippah strugav, knitted kippah. And uh, a conversation took place. Mrs. Klein, after the meal, says to Olivia, no, what do you think about Barry? Oh, no, not for me. So obviously, Balchuva, I can't see it happening. But Olivia, he has good midos. He's kind, he's considerate. Why don't we ask his rabbi? Call up the rabbi, Rabbi Lerner. Can you tell us about Barry? Well, Barry is a growing guy. Gary's moving in the right direction. He hasn't exactly pinpointed where he's going to land in terms of Yiddishkeit, but he's a great guy. He learns regularly. He's constantly growing on himself. So they decided that they would invite him back for lunch again and have her Rebbitzin come by to see him. The Rebbitzin came by, sat with him, introduced herself to him. She was very impressed by Barry. And then she looks, Mrs. Klein speaks to Olivia and she says, if it wasn't for what people would say, would you go out with him? She says, absolutely. And they went out. Five or six times. And then proceeded to ten times. And Baruch Hashem, they got engaged. Because she was able to see beyond the externals and she didn't allow societal concepts in order to, t- t- to dislodge her and take her off her track. And that's what we have to think about today. So ask yourself a few questions. Do we have common hashkafa? Hashkafa means that we're not, love is not, does not mean that we're looking at each other. Love means are we facing life in the same direction. Hashkafa comes to the word mishkafayim, which is glasses. Are we looking in the same direction? Look for someone that has that value, that they're looking in the same direction. Do we have common values? Communication skills, that's so important. Something that I train with a lot of people. How are your communication skills? Are they clear? Are they effective? That you have to make sure that you're very, very strong in. Do I find the person's company pleasing? That's important. And that, let's not make a drastic importance to that area. It's important, but it's not everything. Yes, it's important to have physical attraction. But remember, you have to build a connection. And the connection is based on midos, values. Perhaps let me close with an interesting story. It was the yard site of Rachel Imenu. And there were a couple of Hasidic guys looking to hitch a ride to get to the kever. So in Israel, everyone can go tramping, which is hustling a free ride. A car stops, takes them in, and they're speaking in Yiddish, and they realize it's not nice if the person who gave us the lift is speaking Hebrew, so they convert to Hebrew. And they're talking to each other, based on what we make in terms of being in Kolel, how will we ever get our own apartments? We barely make the month. The individual who's driving the car says to them, permit me to get involved in your conversation. I hate to you know, butt in, but perhaps you'd like to hear my story. 
And he tells them the following. My father worked for the Israel Broadcasting Authority. And at night he moonlighted as the maitre d' in a wedding hall. And this wedding hall, it was the minhag, that when there was a wedding, the maitre d' comes out with a huge cake and he lights the sparklers to magnify the feeling. Once in a while, the sparklers don't take. So they keep a little handy lighter fuel can and they squirt the sparklers and then you can light up the candle. Candles and, the, and you get that beautiful result. That night, there were a couple of girls playing near the cake. As he wheeled out the cake, this 10-year-old girl runs running right into the cake and the cake burst on fire because he couldn't light it. So he put the lighter fuel on there and boom, he had a fire. And the girl ran right into it and she was a ball of fire. People were just paralyzed. They didn't know what to do. The photographer was smart enough. He decided to rip the tablecloth off the table, roll her around and douse the fire. But not until the damage was done. She was whisked away by Magin David to the hospital, Hadassah and Karim, where she was suffering from third-degree burns. The maitre d', the, the person who's telling the story, says, my father was a decorated officer in the IDF. You couldn't shake him for nothing. He went to the hospital and he was crying like a baby because he held himself responsible for what happened. He said, I'm so sorry to the girl and to the parents. He was beside himself, broken, atuv, despondent. She said, it's okay, it's okay, it's fine. It wasn't your fault. Hey, you're just doing your job. The girls ran into it. I ran into it. From that story, the father was not religious, decided to be Jose Bechuvah. He said, you know what? Maybe Hashem is sending me a message here. And he became observant. The driver of the car says, as his son, he tried to convince me to become observant. I was not interested at all. Not in my parsha. And I grew up, I went into the army, and after I graduated, I got myself a job in a candy store. Actually, the man who owned the candy store owned 60 of them throughout Israel. It's called Netukim Zeshilanu. This is our candy. And he knew that I wasn't observant, although he himself, the man who owned the whole franchise, all these franchises, was a Jose Bechuba himself. He says, you know what? You don't look like you're interested in taking on any Torah mitzvahs. Why don't you at least go out with the cashier? She's like you. Be a good chiloni and marry a good chilonit. He says, you think she'd like me? Yeah, I'll make the introduction. So he makes the introduction and they start dating. And they start dating and they're liking each other. He didn't pry too much into her life, but now he's getting ready to get engaged. He says, you know what? I have a question to ask you. She says, yes. I know you're not that observant, but how come you dress like you're from B'nai Brock? And she says, to tell you the truth, I have to dress this way. And he tells her, why? You see, when I was a child, I ran into a cake that turned into a ball of fire. My entire body is three degree burns. And I have scars all over me. He goes, you won't believe this. But was it at Sassan Vesimcha Hall in Yushalayim? And he told her the time and the date and the year. She says, yes, my father was the maitre d' who lit, that can- lit those candles. 
He says, wow. I said, he looks at her and he says, I'm sure you never want to talk to me again. No, she says, if this was meant to be, that means God's orchestrating all of this. Would you like to go back and say hello to my father? You probably haven't seen him in 15 years. So they went back to, to the father. He says, Dad, you won't believe this. Remember that episode? That's the girl. He goes, no, it can't be. Shulamit, that's you? He says, yeah. They ended up getting married. And they themselves undertook their own odyssey into becoming observant. And he's telling the story in the car to, the, to these Kodel fellows. And he goes, we lived by my mother-in-law for a year. After a year, I said, honey, you know, your mother's been wonderful. She gave us a place to live. How about now we go look for our own apartment? But I'm just concerned, he tells his wife, you know, our budget's tight. I don't know if we could afford it. She says to him, what are you worrying about? After the episode in which I had that whole, you know, all the, the burns on my body, there was a lawsuit. My parents sued the hall. There was a five million shekel payout. They bought me a four-bedroom apartment in Rechavia, a block away from the Plaza Hotel. It's waiting for us right now. The fellow looks at the passengers in the back and he says, is there a God or is there a God? Hmm? That Hashem can take care of all of our needs. Yes, He can. And He does. It's just a matter of being practical and realistic. Align your goals with reality. Focus on what the individual has in terms of their midos and their quality of character. Stop looking for the unrealistic. So many more individuals, so many more shidduchim could be made if we would not fall prey to the yenta trap of what others think, of how others define for us what I should be happy with. But if I have my top 10 list, and if you need help with that, just reach out to me, I'll help you. Put it together. It never fails. I know what I need. I've had a third party check me to ensure that it's the right thing to do. And now I go about the process of dating for marriage, not dating to waste time. Life's too short. It's my bracha to everyone here that we should find our soulmates quickly, uneventfully, and without too much hardship. And I should be zochet to dance at all your weddings. Thank you so much. Enjoy the night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.